today, Ephesians chapter number 5. We're going to jump right into it. If you have a Bible with you, you can turn there uh, with me. If not, uh, as always, our uh, verses will be on the screen for you. And in just a moment, I encourage you to, to bring your Bible to church. I, I encourage you to, uh, to read it at home, do those things. But today, we're going to continue in uh, our series, Love Worth Fighting For. And uh, week one, we said that we must love Jesus. And uh, we did a little game, and we said, I love Jesus. Yes, I do. I love Jesus. How about you? And we, we did that, and we talked about, in week number two, uh, we talked about self. And, and last week was that, that self-examination of uh, our lives, and, and uh, we said that we need to stop magnifying things and looking at things that way and, and making those things a, a big deal. Uh, when we aren't looking at ourselves and falling in love with, honestly, who God made us to be. We need to understand today that, that God designed us uh, the way He designed us. Uh, he, he made me look the way that I look. And, and while I look in the mirror some days and I say, man, this is an ugly creation, God thinks I'm beautiful. Amen? And, um, and so that's what we go on uh, every single day of our life, knowing that God made us to be uh, who we really are, but He also understands our heart and today it's valentine's day so what what greater way could we do uh than talk about loving uh your spouse now now men today's valentine's day tell your wife you love her just look at her and say i love you i love you tiff you know you know it, it's not supposed to be this uh, this huge ordeal, like right, you know, Valentine's Day is like a, a everyday thing in marriage. It should be all peaches and ice cream all the time, right? Like that's that's just how. Like my my marriage is my marriage is perfect, y'all. Like we we don't have anything. I'm I'm kidding, uh, but but sometimes we forget we forget the fact that we are supposed to love every day. Uh, I I really encourage you make sure you tell your spouse every day that you love them. If you don't have a spouse right now, tell your kids that you love them. Tell your mom that you love them. Tell your dad that you love them. You know, it, it's so important that we bring the family into uh, this message today. Um, you know, some of you may be in the waiting period. You're waiting for that Prince Charming uh, to come along. Uh, some of you are waiting for that perfect uh, lady to come, uh, come along. But we all have families. We all have families, and we all need to love them well. Men, I'll also tell you, today is Valentine's Day. Once again, if you have not gotten your wife something for Valentine's Day, it is today. Uh, I would encourage you uh, to go as soon as church is over and go get her something and, and say that you love her that way, okay? Um, just, just so you know, ladies, I expect that you've already done everything right. Um, but you listen, there's, there's days, okay? There's days when, when life can get us down, okay? There, there's days when, when things don't go uh, the way they're planned. And, and there's also days where, where temptation comes and we're, we're called to flee from that temptation. There's, there's days when, when Satan wants to just devour us uh, and he wants to devour your marriage. He wants to get inside the walls of your home and he wants to destroy that. And we've got to understand that today. Hey, uh, if you have a bad day and you're a believer today, uh, it's going to be okay. Hey, you've got to know who's in your heart. And that's the main thing. And if, and if you can do that in your marriage and you can keep God at the center of that marriage, you don't really have much to worry about. But I want to tell you a story really quick. There was a man that wrote a, a letter one time to his ex fiance 
And after breaking up with his fiancée, this young man realized the error of his ways, and he wrote this, Dearest Marie, no words could ever express the great unhappiness that I felt since breaking our engagement. All, you know. Please say that you'll take me back. No one could ever take your place in my heart, so please forgive me. I love you. Yours forever, Jimmy. P.S. Congratulations on winning the lottery. <laughs> I'm not sure how sincere this guy was about getting back together, but he was probably ready to restore the broken relationship at any cost. Okay, uh, that, that reminds me of a young man who... Uh, was proposing to his girlfriend one day. And he had the ring in his hand, and he said this, Sweetheart, I love you so much. I want, to marry, I want you to marry me. I don't have a car like Johnny. I don't have a big boat like him or a big house like him. I don't have the money of Johnny, but I love you with all of my heart. And she looked into his eyes, and she said, I love you too, sweetheart, but you could, could you please tell me who Johnny is? You know, so often... We think we have to be like other people, right? Hey, it's like last week. It kind of goes hand in hand. We try to magnify what everybody else is doing, but really if we're just our own self and we do what Thomas is supposed to do, if I do what Cindy is supposed to do, if you do what Miss Jean is supposed to do, everything else falls into place. But so often we worry about everything else around us. I've heard a few of you say this week, I'm having to put my blinders on. I've got a few messages like that this way. I'm trying to put my blinders on this week. Hey, you're listening. That's good. You're listening. You're hearing. You're understanding. But marriage is so much more important. Hey, look, I, I, can't, I can't express to you enough how easy it is to lose focus in a relationship. Um, you know, this morning as... We come to Ephesians 5. We're going to be looking at all kinds of different relationships. Relationships with others, relationships with God, relationships with the spouse that all have the potential to honestly just disintegrate in front of our eyes if we're not careful. Now, isn't it amazing how, how quick we can lose focus? Um, it, it's so easy. Ephesians 5, chapter number... Chapter number 5, looking at verses 22 through 33 this morning. Listen to this. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this shall a man leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. 
This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife and himself, and let the wife see that she also respects her husband. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. God, thank you for the morning we've already experienced. God, I thank you for uh, baptism, God. We thank you for, for new life. We thank you that, um, that God, Miss Mary, this took this, the obedient step to, to do that this morning. Lord, we pray that as cross life, as, as we try to disciple people to be uh, ambassadors for you, God, that you would use us. God, that you would help us grow them up. We would uh, be able to be behind them every step of the way. But Lord, also right now, as we turn our attention to Ephesians 5 and, and, and what Paul uh, writes, God, I, I pray that as we look at our marriage, as, as maybe uh, we look down the road, if, if we're not married this morning, that, that we would uh, see what we want in a spouse, God, that we would understand the importance it is uh, to have God at the center. Uh, Lord, I, I pray for our families today. I pray for those that uh, may not be in worship with us today, those that are watching on Facebook. Uh, Lord, we, we pray that, that you would just use this moment as a catalyst uh, for what's to come. Uh, Lord, as we try to continue in this series of, of love worth fighting for, I believe, God, that marriage is so worth fighting for, that, that our lives are, are so uh, worth fighting for, that, that you, Jesus, are so uh, worth fighting for. And, and God, it's a love that surpasses all understanding. So God, use it today. Be with us. Help us apply it to our hearts. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You know, this is this is honestly one of those uh, passages that is hard. Hey, when, when Tiffany and I first got together and we started talking about marriage, and I don't know if she remembers this, but when we would have an argument, I'd, I'd look at her and say, Ephesians 5, woman. Ephesians 5, and then she said, yeah, Ephesians 5 also talks about the husband as well. And, you know, you, we say those things, and we don't know uh, at the moment if we really understand uh, what we're trying to say, but there are times in our marriage that we must look to each other and just sort it all out, right? Like, so so as, we, as we go through this, the Apostle Paul wrote Ephesians. And by the authority of God, and God gives Paul some uh, pretty straightforward lines uh, in these verses, let me just encourage you uh, to, to make sure you go home and read this for yourself. Maybe, maybe you have a different translation than what I use today. Maybe, maybe yours is, uh, is easier to understand, whatever it is. But there's nothing like holding that in your hands and understanding what your purpose is in marriage. Hey, and I think, I think that's what, what happens a lot of times. We lose our purpose a lot of times in marriage. We, we, go, we go our separate way sometimes. Uh, it's like we live our own life. Uh, I, I added it up this week, Tiffany. Uh, on, a, on an average basis, Tiffany and I get about five and a half hours a day with each other. Okay? Now, you divide that by 24 hours. Okay? We're spending about 25% of the day. I cannot control Tiffany the other 75% of the day. Now, if she's home, I'll know what she's doing. I've got my eyes on her. You know, she, she's a pretty girl to look at, so I can look at her all day long. Uh, husbands, you need to tell your wife that. Um, but, but I counted it up, about five and a half hours. Okay? Now, now, those hours are mostly with Riley as well. Okay? Now, Tiffany and I get about two to two and a half hours a night that it's just me and her. Tiffany's one of those, she, she can go to bed at 7 o'clock, okay? 
Um, I stay up to, to midnight, sometimes 1 o'clock, most of the time working on a sermon, working on finance class, whatever it is. She'll go to bed, okay? But I would say Riley usually goes down about 8.30, and I would say by about 9 o'clock we've winded down for the night, and maybe around 10.30 if she's feeling good, she'll stay up. So about an hour and a half that we'll get to spend together. Now, let me tell you this morning, I don't, I don't know about you, but that's not a lot of time to really love your spouse, right? There's a lot of times during the days that we don't see each other, but it doesn't mean that we don't have love for each other. But I think so often we think the other 75% of our day, we can go do whatever we want to do. And as long as I come home and I get on my knees and I tell my wife I love her, everything else is going to be A-OK. You go about seven or eight days and don't text your wife, don't call your wife, don't tell her that you love her and see how upset she gets, man. Wives, you do the same thing. It doesn't work out very well. The, the issue is, hey, and, and I wish, you know, I could have Tiffany stay at home and, and she could be that stay-at-home mom and, and do all the, but the, but But that's not reality, okay? Right now, that's just not reality. But the fact of the matter is, if we really love our spouse and we really love what God has designed for our lives, then when you come home, that hour and a half, that two and a half, that three and a half hours is going to be the most precious time of your day. I look forward to about 3, 30, 4 o'clock every day because I know my girls are going to be home. I live a pretty lonely life most of the day. Like I, I work by myself for the majority of the day unless I have a lunch date with uh, somebody. Patrick and Tracy will call me sometimes and we'll go out to lunch. I, I went to lunch with another gentleman in our church this week. You know, th those are my times. But most of the day, I'm sitting around by myself. Hey, Tiffany occupies her time with, with students, probably why she sometimes has an attitude when she gets home because she's had a bad day with the kids. We won't talk about that right now. But the issue is, okay, the issue is if we would keep God at the center of it all, then everything else just works out. But how hard is it to keep God at the center 24 hours a day? You know, I, I, I can't understand what living a perfect marriage would, would look like because my marriage is not perfect. I don't want you uh, to think it is. There are days where we want to tear each other's heads off, and there are days where we will love each other. <laughs> you know, that's just part of it, right? If I could preach a message about perfect marriages, I'm not the one to bring that to you today. So this isn't going to be a sermon that, that's going to say marriage is easy. Hey, it, it's hard. If it was easy, you'd be hearing statistics in a moment. Um, that would be the other way around. You will not hear me say that marriage will just bring you a, a satisfactory and a happiness for the rest of your life. If that were true, everybody would be aiming to get married right now. We would have everybody get married at 18, 19 years old. But this is what I will say. If you are married, these are the words that you said to your spouse the day that you got married. You said, I do. You said, I do. You, you entered into a, a covenant right then. God's designed for marriage. Okay, One man, one woman to spend a lifetime together. And as, as outlined in the book of Malachi in the Old Testament, this is a word that we don't like to use, but God doesn't like the word divorce. He doesn't, he doesn't like that. It's not, it's not a topic that 
that everybody's just running to talk about and is excited to talk about. I, I know in, 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 our, in a crowd this size, we, we've had some experience that before. Let me just encourage you today. God loves you. He, he loves you. And, and he, love, he loves who you are. And, and this may not be the easiest to listen to, but at some point in our life, we've got to be careful with who we put into our life and who we enter that relationship with. Some of you in here today, you've, you, you may feel like you've experienced not only a divorce, but maybe a divorce with God before. Okay? Some, some of you have come a long ways in, in two years. Some of you uh, have mentioned before that, that you never cared to walk back into a church before. Uh, listen, I've been there. Okay? I, I, I've, I've, I've heard that. I've seen that. I've known that. Don't be afraid to get on your knees and cry out to God to say, God, I need this in my life. I, I believe today that, that marriage is absolutely worth fighting for. you agree with me, Papa Jeff? Marriage is absolutely worth fighting for. I, 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 think, I think if we would fight for our marriage like we say we would fight for our kids or we would fight for our parents, that we would have some strong marriages in here today. But the fact of the matter is, statistics tell us that only 21% of marriages are actually what we would call strong marriages. Strong marriages. Now, now listen, here, here's some statistics for you that I, I, I found this week, and um, most of these are, are on the divorce end. I, I found some for, for the men. I found some for, for women. And so we're just going to compile all these together. Listen to this. 45 to 50% of first marriages end in divorce. 45 to 50%. That's about half. Okay, well, 50% is half. If you get married a second time, 60 to 67% of second marriages end in divorce. That startles you a little bit, doesn't it? Like, third, third, third marriage. 70 to 73% of third marriages end in divorce. Now, now we're not talking about the Christians, and, and we're, we're talking about both together, the unbelievers and, and the believers. This is for Christian marriages. 39% of Christian marriages end in divorce when they said, I'm going to enter into this covenant with you and God. Here are some other stats, though. Over 26% of women, while 35% of men, have admitted, admitted to being unfaithful in their marriages. Now, I'll use the word admitted. Some of them lied, okay? Let's just be honest. 26% women, 35% men. 24% of women admitted to an addiction to pornography while the number for men is almost 50% for pornography. And I found another statistic. Out of those close to 50% of men, 67% of them said they looked at pornography in the last 14 days. Church, we got a problem. Right? Like, 
we've got a problem. And the only way to look at the problem is to confront the problem. Now, the elephant in the room today is that we have some unfaithfulness going on in our Christian marriages. I don't know about you, but when when I looked at my wife and I said, I love you, uh, uh, I do, I I, I, want to spend the rest of my life with you, I even sung to her. Uh, That was the most uncomfortable four and a half minutes of my life, probably. Uh, The most awkward four and a half minutes. But I proclaimed my love to my wife. And this is what this is what I try to do when things don't go my way. Okay, I said my way when things don't go my way in my marriage. I have a flashback to the time that I married my wife. And I try to remember that moment because in that moment, man, Nothing could have stopped us. We were we were in love. You know, like I met Tiffany in January. I proposed to her what in March? We got married in August. When I met that girl, I said, if I don't put a ring on it, she's gonna go. We had both been in very unhealthy relationships. We had been in relationships that was abusive. Uh, we had been in relationships that was cheating. We had been in relationships that, that they went around our back. All of the things that you could imagine, we went through in other relationships. And the moment that I met her, we talked for a few days before we went out, of course. But the moment that I met her, here we are sitting at the Cheesecake Factory. I did it up, y'all. Cheesecake Factory. First date. Not knowing how I was going to spend the rest of the month, but... Cheesecake Factory, Build-A-Bear Workshop. I knew when I was looking at her at the Cheesecake Factory, I said, by golly, God has put the woman in front of me. And I knew it right then and there. I didn't tell her that. That would have scared her off probably. But I knew because I had been through so much and I had prayed so much. I even, I even had told my parents I was done with, with, with relationships. I was done with this, this, this thing called Uh, a relationship, and I even told him, I said, I don't care if I'm single the rest of my life, and then God puts her in my life, because you see, I gave up control. Now, not not all relationships will will be that way. I'm not telling you to, to go meet somebody in January, put a ring on it in March, and get married in August. Not, not everything works out that way, but in our situation, it did. And I can tell you this, I love this girl more today than I did the day that I said I do. She may not believe that some days, but I do. The love that, that I have for my wife is unwavering. The love that I have for my family with little Miss Riley is unwavering. Because we know that at the day that we said I do, we said we're going to commit our life to God. We're going to commit our life to ministry too. We knew that stepping in. And it hasn't been easy. It hasn't always been the, the perfect thing in the world. But I'd encourage you today to love your spouse like you've never loved them before. Even in the moments where you feel like they don't love you back, still love them. Go out of the way to show your love 
for your spouse. Number one this morning, I, I took this outline from a guy named John Piper. Some of you may have heard of John Piper this, mor- uh, this before. Uh, John Piper is, is a guy that's way over my head when he preaches. Um, I, I don't understand, but about six or seven words, his whole entire sermon. But, but th- this particular outline uh, really struck my heart. And so I said, I'm going to wait until I have a perfect sermon to use it for. So this outline is actually his. So I give him credit for it. This is not my outline. But number one today, we've got to keep faith with others. But we also have to understand that we can't let our relationship rupture. We can't let the relationship rupture. Malachi chapter 2, verse 10 says, Have we not all one Father? Has not one God created us? Why do we deal treacherously with one another by profaning the covenant of the fathers? Let's note that while Abraham was the earthly father at that time, Malachi is really focusing on the intention here on God. Isaiah 64, 8, I love, I love this verse. Yes, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, you are the potter, and we are all the work of your hand. In Ephesians, what we just read, Paul encourages believers to keep our faith with others. And yet, we must always keep an eye on our relationships so they don't rupture. And that's any relationship. That goes way past marriage. The leadership at Cross Life, we have to be so closely knitted together that the relationship and the bond that God has formed between us, that it doesn't rupture. Because if it ruptures, okay, the, church, the church is looking to leadership. The church is looking to, to, to see us guide the ship whatever way it's going to go. And if the relationship ruptures, then guess what? The church will rupture. Think about it. Ladies, men, you got ladies group, you got men's group, you got Bible study groups. If your group ruptures then you've lost your contact. If you're a school teacher and your classroom ruptures and and it gets out of hand, guess what? We've lost control of the classroom. If you're at your workplace and and maybe you work in an office with, with several other people, if the relationships are bad, then guess what? The work doesn't get done. Or everybody's gonna start complaining that somebody didn't do the work and you're gonna start blaming each other, right? Like that's just how things go. When relationships rupture, things happen. Hey, things happen. So Paul encourages these believers, keep faith, keep faith with, with one another. Not many people want to be close to the pastor, though, right? Like I, I think about that a lot in, in ministry. Um Luckily, here at Cross Life, I've got, I've got a lot of close friends here. I, I, I believe everybody in, in our congregation I can call uh, a close friend. But, there, but there's been times where I've been in ministry uh, as a youth pastor or something, and the pastor would get gossiped about because he spent too much time with a relationship with other people. Now look, pastor's got to have relationships. It's just part of it. But also... What would life be without a relationship? In the first five years of, of mine and Tiffany's marriage, or maybe four years of mine and Tiffany's marriage, we didn't really have friends, would we? Would you say? To, like we, we didn't. We 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 were we were outcasts. We were we were the youth pastor and the wife, or we were the pastor and the wife, and we didn't really have close relationships. And look, when when we planted the church, we said, "Look, we got to have close relationships." Like I I counted a joy. 
to know that, that I can call anybody up at any time and say, hey, we'd like to have dinner with y'all tonight. Or come over to the house. Like, well, I'm already thinking uh, this summer, if, if COVID will do, do its thing and, and get out of our way, like, I'd like to have a, a church-wide cookout at our house in our backyard. I'd really like to do that. It's killing me that we can't do those kind of things. But relationships, fellowship is so important. We also, when we think about relationships, we, we've got to think about the relationship that we have with Jesus. And if we do not have a relationship with Him today, then, then this, is, this is the task. Invite Him into your heart because it's the best decision that you'll ever make. Look, the day that I gave my life to Jesus, I gave up control of my life and it was the best thing that ever happened. Because Thomas was trying to control every single step that Thomas was going to take. And I realized, hey, somebody wants to do that for me. I don't have to worry about that no more. Now, do I worry sometimes? Absolutely. Do I stress a lot? Ask, ask John if I stress a lot. When he was putting the water in there this morning, I was like, John, the water is cold. Like, it is going to be a cold morning. Like, I stress over every little thing. Tiffany's over there nodding her head. Like, I do. Dude, I, I stress on, if I know I've got to make a phone call on Thursday and it's only Monday, I stress until Thursday until I can make that call. That's just how I am. Some of you are nodding your heads, and you're just like that. Hey? We stress over things. But when we give up control, when we say that we are a believer in Christ, when we did that, we gave up the control, and it became easier. And you see, the problem is we forget that in marriage, when we say God was going to be at the center, that God would be in control of our marriage, and the rest is history. But the problem is one party or the other sometimes forgets that. And we forget that God's at that center. As brothers and sisters in Christ, we've got to be unified, and we've always got to stand strong together. Keep faith with others. Don't let those relationships rupture. As the old saying goes, don't burn the bridge because you never know when you're going to need that individual again. Number two this morning, keep faith with God. Keep faith with God and listen to this. Don't unite with an unbeliever. If you're, if you're single today, if you're divorced today, if, if, you're, a, if you're a teenager today, Tucker, I get to pick on you again, man. Uh, don't unite with an unbeliever. It's not smart. I've been down that road when I was in school, in high school. It's not, it's not smart. It's not a good thing. We, we watched last night um, uh, God's Not Dead. Has anybody seen that movie? We watched that last night. and um, it was a really, It's a really challenging movie. I don't care if you've, you've seen it five times or you've seen it one time or a hundred times. It challenges you all the time. Like The older I get, the more teary-eyed I get. And here I am, 29 years old, wanting to sob last night. Um, for the first time watching that movie um, because it, cause it, it touched my heart a, a different way. And, and I put myself in the classroom uh, of, of, that, of that guy that was in college at the time. And I, and I told the youth as, as the movie was over, I said, look, in your life you're going to experience the same things. Hey, and, and the older I get, the more experience, I like to say, uh, that I have. I've been in the shoes now where I've been in the relationship where I thought that I could fix the other person. Like, if I start dating her, she'll become a Christian. She'll go to church with me. 
Well, look, the problem is when you're in a youth group with a bunch of other guys, they start getting crushes on the other guys. Like, you know, unbelievers are going to do what unbelievers want to do. Okay, and, and, and we can go back to, to what I mentioned earlier about this thing called broken faith. God has some pretty strong words in the Old Testament when he says Judah has a broken faith, a detestable thing that was committed, the, the word detestable, abomination, morally wrong. Uh, we could rank that with uh, idolatry. We could, it could, could put that with immorality. But in the New Testament, Paul is telling husbands to love your wife. Just, just love your wife. He, he's saying, wives, submit to your husbands as they are head of the household, so on and so forth. We, we should love as Christ loved the church. We can't love as Christ loved the church if we're united with an unbeliever. It can't happen. Hey, what you're going to try to do is put your morals into play, and they're not going to care nothing about your morals. You're going to try to put Jesus into play, and guess what? If they don't have a relationship with Jesus, they could care less about Jesus. And what happens at that point is things just get chaotic. Maybe today you're in a relationship with an unbeliever. I want you to question that. I want you to question yourself today. Am I in the right relationship? Because look, relationships can get serious. And the more serious they get, the more you're going to talk about this thing called marriage, which is supposed to be this lifelong commitment. And if you know in the relationship right now that it's an issue, what makes you think it won't be an issue when you say, I do? Oh, the Bible is filled with examples of what happens to godly people when they unite with unbelievers. In many instances within the Old Testament, the divorce, their wives, and, and married women who worship false gods, it, it's never been God's plan for a believer to marry the unbeliever. 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers in marriage, a believer is to be yoked with a believer so that they together can serve the Lord by walking in step together. In our last church, we had a couple. Um, she was 79, I believe, at the time. He was 83 at the time. And I remember she came up to me and she says, Thomas, I've been married to him for, for years. I don't remember how many years it was. It was, it was way up there. And, and she said, my husband doesn't know Jesus. What do I do? And I said, you pray for him. You pray for him right now. And I remember talking to him several times. Never could get through to him. Never could get through to him. He would come. He, he was one of those that, that would come at Christmas. He'd come at Easter. He'd come at Christmas Eve. He'd come at all your big services. And he'd sit there with his wife. And, and, and he, would, he would sing, I love you, Lord. He would sing, just as I am. He'd sing victory in Jesus, all those songs. He'd sing with us, but he didn't know. He even sang Mighty to Save one time. I remember we sang Mighty to Save, and I looked right at him. Just a few weeks ago, I get a phone call from a guy who wanted to uh, send us a, a support check. He was actually uh, one, of, one of my deacons at, at, at Grundy. And um, we were talking, and he said, did you see that, that so-and-so passed away? I said, I did. He said, let me tell you this. He said about 30 minutes before he passed away, he gave his life to the Lord. Don't ever give up. Don't ever give up. 
if you're if you're yoked with somebody right now that you know he's not a believer and you've entered that covenant relationship, pray for him. Because the power of God always outweighs us. It's important to pray for your spouse. Pray for your spouse. I can't say it enough. Pray for your children. That they would grow up and make wise decisions. That they would be together with somebody that has just as much love for you as they do God, or more love for God than they do for you. That, that's how I know that I had the right wife. She would put God above me in a heartbeat because she loved God. And I'm fine with that. I'm fine being second place when I have a, when I have a wife that loves the Lord. She might put Riley above me sometimes too, just to be honest. Number three, really quick. We've got to keep faith with our spouse. And this is my encouragement to you today. Don't give up. Don't give up. Things get hard. Life gets hard. Marriage is hard. Would anybody raise your hand today and say marriage is easy? I didn't think so. Um, marriage is hard. Life is difficult. Hey, the way that life takes us is difficult. And mainly right here, we can, we can focus... On, on, on Ephesians 5, and we can look at uh, really all, all 12 verses that we read, the 11 verses that we, that we read this morning, that, that husbands ought to love their own wives as we love our own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. We see that wives are supposed to uh, understand that, that God designed men to be, uh, to be ahead, to be, to be a, a leader, whatever that is. Ladies, that doesn't mean that, that you can't make decisions. Um, uh, my wife makes a lot of decisions. Uh, but, but it's one of those things that, that when Paul says, wives, submit. Listen, let me ask you this right now. If your husband, women, if, if your husband came to you tomorrow and they said, God's calling me to be a pastor or, or God's calling me to be a, a leader in the church, would that scare you away from the relationship? I was telling the... Uh, Thursday night Bible study group, I believe it was. We got a, when I went to Fruitland, we had a man that he got called to, to preach at a, a very late age. He was in his 70s when he, when he went to Fruitland. He's in his 80s now, still preaching every Sunday morning. And, and I can't imagine, okay, 60, 50 years down the road, God called me to preach. What that could do to a relationship or to a life that I had lived for the last 40 or 50 years, but to see the glow on his face, to know what, what God is calling him to do. Listen, there, there may be times where your life is a tailspin, and, and you may think that, man, my job stinks, <laughs> work, works, works rough, nothing's falling into place. I want you to ask. Am I in God's will? Am I in the will of God? Because look, I mean, there, there, there are days where, where my job gets difficult. Sometimes the job can get lonely. 
But there's never a moment where I question where my God has for me. There are days where my wife comes home and she is ready to throw it down. But at the end of the day, she knows what she was called to do. And it's hard. It's hard understanding that. And there's been many days where we want to walk away. And listen, there's been days where I've wanted to walk away from the church. There's been, my, mine's usually not on Mondays. Mine are usually in the middle of the week. Uh, a lot of pastors say I quit on Monday, got my resignation. I, that's, not, that's not me. Mine are usually in the middle of the week or a Saturday night when I find out 40% of the church is going to be missing on Sunday. Th- those are the days that get hard. Mondays are usually great days. Mondays are usually my Cocoa Java day. Uh, got to keep something happy. But ask yourself, am I at the center of God's will? Is my marriage today at the center of God's will? Whatever the circumstances are, God has something for you, and He loves you so much. I can tell you today that I love you, and I love each and every one of you. Some of you I barely know, but I love you. But the love that God has for you, Oh, man, it outweighs it so much. It outweighs it so much. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 19 says, There are six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are abomination to him. Proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift and running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and, and one who sows discord among the brethren or stort, stirs up dissension or trouble among others. I, I, I'm also uh, fond of, of 1 Corinthians 7.15 where that verse teaches us that when if the unbelieving spouse wants to break that off, the, the believer can, can let him or her go. That, that kind of thing. Matthew 5.32 says Jesus recognizes adultery as being wrong but also understands that the obligation of marriage. Okay, and I want us to understand today that the church has not always been a healing community for some of you. Some of you have had some rough instances in church, and for that, I'm sorry. But let me tell you that Cross Life Church is a place of understanding. Cross Life Church is a church that wants to love you, wants to love you where you are at in your situation. We love your situation because God brought you here. And that's what I love. I love seeing the situations being brought here because I believe that my God is stronger and better than anything that I could ever say or do. But please also note that, that I'm no marriage expert, that, that I can't say that I've walked in your shoes and, and you haven't walked in mine. But we can't assume today that, that we're perfect spouses, but we can strive to be a perfect spouse. It's a strong topic, I know, this morning. It's, it's, it's strong, it's hard. And we want all of our marriages here at Cross Life to thrive and be the best that it can be. Because, listen, if we have strong marriages, when somebody comes in that's struggling in their marriage, we can help them. But if we're a mess, and, and, and we prove statistics to be true that, that we aren't loving our spouse in the way that we should love them, we're not honoring who they are or honoring our, our children, it's going to be really hard to help other people. 
And so commit to it today (laughs) that your marriage is going to be stronger than it's ever been. Understand, no matter what the circumstance, one, God loves you. Two, God has a plan for your life. And three, I encourage you to set those standards high. Set those standards high because you're worthy of it. Listen, I, I had all the standards in the world when I met Tiffany. I said, I want this, I want this, I want this, definitely want this. And when she came into my life, I knew for a shadow of a doubt that she was it. And I could see myself with her for a long, long time. And as we got into our relationship, I said, man, I'm going to spend forever with that girl. And even today, almost seven years down the road, be, be married seven years in August, I still want to spend forever with that girl. And I hope you can say the same about your spouse. And if you're in the waiting period, just know that the godly marriage that you desire, if you pray for it, God will in turn deliver that to you. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. God, thank you so much for life. Lord, many of our church family today is is married. God, thank you for their spouse. God, thank you for the other half that uh, is a part of their marriage. Lord, I pray for our marriages to be strong. I pray that we will love each other, that we will adore each other. God, that we will spend forever with each other. Lord, there's there's some today where husbands have gone on before us, and uh, Lord, that you gave them a great marriage. Lord, we don't forget those moments. Lord, help them remember today that you love them. God, that, that maybe one day you'd, you'd put somebody else in their life that is a believer, that, that loves the Lord. And God, encourage them to set the standards high. God, some of the ones that are in here today have experienced that, that thing called divorce. God, we don't, we don't like that word. We, we don't like to talk about it. But Lord, help them heal. God, heal their heart so that in turn, there will be a day where somebody steps into their life and they can love as they deserve to be loved. Lord, I, I believe today that You have put all of us in the path of each other for a reason. You have brought us here in this place today for a reason. And Lord, whatever that reason may be, we understand the seriousness of being believers for you. God, I pray today if there's somebody here that has never accepted you as Lord and Savior of their life, that God, they would accept you. That that you that you would hear their heart that they understand today that you love them, that they have a purpose, that you died for them, God. Over 2,000 years ago, you sent your son Jesus to die on that cross for us so that we could have eternal life. And that's what's most important, God. We, we saw one 
proclaim that today by taking that obedient step. So, Lord, be with us. Shelter us, Lord. Keep, keep your hand over our marriages. Keep your hand over our families. And, God, let us remember this day that we decided that no matter what, we would do all that we could to be perfect in our marriage, that we would strive for perfection that only you can give. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise team, if you'll come up. We're going to sing Just As I Am as a, as a closing song this morning.